I've, uh, I haven't eaten any junk or f- sugary stuff or rubbish. So, yeah, good on me. Yep. Like Husey, good on me, good on me. So, uh, so seven days in. Um, the, 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 what I'm on now isn't sustainable because I've gone a pretty full on, but I had to. Um, so, yeah, just going to work it out over the next couple of weeks. So I want to encourage you. Um, life's about great choices. And he makes... Um, the, the cool thing is when we make great choices... He enables us to do so. So his grace gives us the ability that we didn't have before. That's grace. So I want to encourage you in that. Whatever you're believing for, whatever you want to go after, whether it is physical health and fitness or whether it's other things, um, consistency is key. If I, ate, if I just didn't eat one bad meal for on Wednesday lunchtime and then the rest of the week I ate rubbish, guess what? It doesn't matter. And it's hard to, to look ahead at three months' time from where I am now and go that's what I want to be like but I know that if I do what I just did in the seven days repeated because that's consistency I know in three months time I'll look back and go oh glad I did that and now look at where I am so I want to encourage you whatever it is a vision for this year is consistency 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 adhering to the same principles over and over which causes momentum really important when we do things over and over and over again, uh, habits form, routines form, and momentum comes. feel like there's a, there's a bit of momentum. I've talked about how consistency uh, causes momentum, and momentum sees the vision of the church play out. Presence, health, and influence is the vision of our church. Building a supernatural culture upon God's presence that causes each of us to live in private and out side in love health honor and power as we introduce the world to jesus every day as lee was talking about safe way every day but for in order to get there we need to start the consistency so coming to the dom thing is part of that consistency you at home's great and then we link in something else and we something else some podcasts some encouragement exposing yourself it's a consistent lifestyle that begins this momentum it's hard the first two days last week i'm like what am i going to do on board because we create our whole world around food i get, i used to get excited about what i was going to eat now i don't i honestly think that most of our and i'll speak on, sorry i'll speak on my behalf most of, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but most of my life was revolved around social media and food. And I love Jesus and I'm doing a lot of great things and, and I'm exaggerating. But a lot of it, it's just consumed by thinking about social media and that's, there is healthy parts of social media, but consumed by social media, am I getting likes, comments, what am I doing, da-da-da, all that dysfunction side of it, and then thinking about food. So in between looking at social media, I'm thinking about food. And it's this, can anyone relate to that? Maybe a couple. <laughs> so God, we ask for your help with that. Just uh, we want to be healthy and whole and moving forward and full of life. And we, wanna, we don't want excess, but we want balance. Or as Chad Dedman said, we want to live in the radical middle. So God, would you speak to us today in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. 
Hey, so lots of great stuff happening. As I said, I feel like there's a little bit of momentum in the area of influence. At the moment, um, I had the meeting with the mayor on Thursday, which I was a little bit nervous about, but not over-the-top nervous. You know, you can step into full nerves and you're not sure what to do, but there was a bit there, which I think is good because it's not just another thing you do, but met with him for about 45 minutes and his executive manager um, and spoke about, uh, well, they asked our heart, which was really cool to define. Um, I made it really clear that we're passionate about the message of Jesus that we're passionate about um, seeing people whole, um, body, soul, spirit, um, talks about presence, health and influence, um, that we have a message that we're passionate about, but we don't push the message if people's hands aren't up or their hands aren't out. Um, so we spoke about the difference between meeting community need but also meeting spiritual need and where that line is and we're fully aware there's a line and there's a boundary and a respect and a sensitivity that we need as a church to, to honour, but we're still want to influence and everyone encounter Jesus. So just talking through that tension with them and actually got to say, you know what, I get this has been weird in the past. I, I get we haven't always done it right. Um, and we, do, we are passionate about the message of Jesus, but I'm also passionate about meeting felt need in the community without an agenda. And he goes, yeah, I understand. I'm saying, no, you don't. And I, I hit it a bit harder. I pushed it a bit harder. And I said, mate, this is a big deal to us. Um, and, and I said, it, I want to develop a long-term relationship and a connection because that, that develops trust. Consistent behavior over peri- a period of time, that's how trust develops. And when there's trust, there's trust. <laughs> and then they, they feel it because you, you feel trust because um, you've seen it. And then when you meet with them, you go, yeah, there's this internal thing, impression, because of consistency, yeah? Same with God. You hang around God, you'll trust Him. If you don't hang out with Him, you'll second-guess Him. You'll pray prayers like, if it's your will. You'll pray prayers like, I'm not sure what you... You won't be confident ever to pray for someone if you don't trust Him. If you don't trust He's good, you'll never pray for a sick person because you're not sure. So get connected and then trust comes. And guess what happens when there's trust in your life? There's peace. Trust equals peace. So I feel like there's a bit of momentum about that. We're meeting, uh, Pam, Pam Carter um, and I from Destiny Care are meeting with the assistant principal of Westall Primary on Tuesday morning. We're going to a breakfast program, which we as a church and ministry and missions department, Destiny Care, Destiny Church, provide milk for, which is awesome. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's great, guys. Um, so we, we provide milk for, for kids that don't get breakfast. So we're going to go and hang out with the kids at 8 a.m. and then talk through some, some ideas about um, giving kids Christmas presents that don't get one. So, yeah, our heart is that each of us would, I'm just feeling it out how this is going to go, but get a name and an age and a gender um, and we'll, we'll pray for that person, maybe write an encouraging note um, that makes sense to them and uh, buy a present for them. And then they're going to come in here just before Christmas. The, the school will bust them in. And um, so, yeah, we'll let you know when that is. So if you want to take the day off, you can come and give your present to your kid. That would be cool. Um, but we're going to work the logistics out. I'm pretty sure that's how it's going to play out, but we've got a meeting about that. So feeling there's a bit of momentum about that because our heart is that we don't just want to talk about stuff. We don't want to just do this one. We want to actually go out and, and, and meet need, felt need, not assumed need. So it's... um. Yeah, lots of really good stuff happening. And I'm, I've just been thinking, like, why am I bothering? 
Why am I doing it? Like, why am I meeting with the mayor? It's effort. It's, it's internal effort. It's external effort. It's not easy meeting with a mayor and his executive manager in a great office. And it's intimidating. Like, going to the school at 8 a.m. for a breakfast program, it's not easy. Why, why do I do it? Why are we doing it? Why did we decide to get a second compassion child? We've got one, her name's Medane from Haiti. And we picked one, that's true, yes. Um, it's Ahab's coffee shop's name, Medane, um, for those that were thinking about that. But um, Medane from Haiti, and we picked her birthday on the same birthday as Bella. So we can, on the, when Bella celebrates her birthday, we celebrate this little girl who doesn't have a, a tenth of what Bella has. And we get to encourage Bella in that life of others and encouraging Medane in, in her world. And so I, I went up to Hillsong last week and I went into Compassion and I said, hey, we've got a son and I would like a boy with the same birth date as Jude, preferably from Haiti because we'll visit in the next five or six years. And she's like, okay, she did a search. Guess how many boys from Haiti with the same birthday as Jude there was, guys? One. Because he's that good. Because God's that good. On their whole database. On their whole database. On their whole database. How good's that? So he sponsored a second child. 46 bucks a month. I don't landscape anymore. So why, why? Great segue. Why did I give up landscaping? Why did I give up double the wage? Why do we do these things? This isn't a look at me, but this is, why do we do these things? Uh, This is a bit of a a laugh, but why do we give up going to a cafe on a Sunday morning in Hampton and having a strong latte sitting with a golden retriever underneath our coffee table with the paper on our table with the sun glistening down on all three and ordering a smashed avocado with feta on top and sipping our latte on a Sunday morning with not a care in the world. Why have I chosen to be here and not in Hampton with my legs folded Sipping a latte in the sun with everyone else. Because Sunday mornings are great, aren't they? Mel, Mel, Mel Perry doesn't mind a brunch. <laughs> She's actually known, guys, as the brunch queen of Kingston. <laughs> Follow her Instagram. But why? Like, what is it about it? What's it about the meeting with the mayor, the, the, the meeting with the principal, the stepping out, out of our comfort zone when, we, when I don't want to? What is it about it? Jesus saying, I don't want to do this, God. Let this cup pass me three times. I don't want to die on the cross. He said, I don't want to do it. The, the coffee on Sunday mornings is a bit of a laugh. But think about it. We give up our Sunday every week. Well, those that want to go to heaven do. I'm joking, guys. I won't be here in three weeks because I've got a golf trip, okay? It's okay. I won't be here. I'm going to Echuca with 20 of my mates who don't know Jesus, and it's going to be amazing. So, yeah, pray for me. But what is it? Like, what is it? We're going to read a scripture, and we're going to get into it. Romans 5.5, Pablo.
This hope will not lead to disappointment. Not hope dictionary, wishful thinking, I wonder if, but hope, the confident, eager expectation of good. Hebrew word, hope. This hope, the Jesus hope, the God hope, does not lead to disappointment. It's not a setup. It's not a setup. For, the reason why, love it, for, means because, therefore. For we know how dearly God loves us. Again, another reason, another layer, another depth to this. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to fill our hearts with his love. So the reason why, if we break it all down, the reason why the mayor, the reason why the school, the reason why the compassion kid, the reason why I'm here every week, apart from the golf trip, the reason why I smile at every person pretty much that I come into contact with, I I don't get it, but I do. It's just a reaction. The reason why is because when I said yes to Jesus and I said, you know what, I get that other people believe in different things, but something's happening inside of me when I think about this Jesus. Something's happened different to the the other beliefs. There's something deeper. So I'm believing in you, and I believe that you rose him from the dead, and I confess that you are Lord. When we say that, when we do that, when there is repentance, which means to change the way that we think, and our action follows that thinking, when that starts to happen in our life, and when we say yes to Jesus, he fills our heart with love. The reason I do all that Because it wasn't my idea. It's not my idea. There's momentum now after a long period of time of acknowledging that my heart is filled with love. There's momentum because of consistency encountering the love and growing the love. But early on, I couldn't do anything. So I had to learn it. But now there's a bit of momentum and I can have some great thoughts because I know what he's like. But the reason I do it is because he's filled my heart with love. So if you're, if you're here today and you've said yes to Jesus and you're stepping into a life with him, then he has filled your heart with love. We have the capacity now to love on a whole new level. We are new and the amazing thing about the newness that we step into when we say yes to Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of everything I've done wrong, I believe in you, I reject all other spirits but you, Holy Spirit. When we do that, we become new, it's different. It's not, a taking, off a, it's not taking off this jumper and having a, a white one underneath. It's this Greek word like prototype, new, never been created before, but you're still you with your character and personality and intricacies. You're still weird and quirky, and amazing, and creative, but you said yes to him, so he grabs all that and says, oh, it was, it was great, but now it's even better, because I put my touch on it, because your heart's filled with love. You following? So we're new, 
The significant, it's an important, and the significance of it, and the evidence that he's filled our heart with love is this next scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.14. We're just reading part A of it. Strong language. This is Paul, New Testament. He's explaining why he's doing all the stuff, like I explained it. And he says, For Christ's love compels us. And check out, there's probably three or four other translations that all use the word control. And we use that word as a negative a lot of the time. But, but he's actually using it as a positive in this text. So he's saying, for the love, so he's explaining the previous chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, which is a great chapter, read it. But 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ controls us. So he was the same guy that said, when we confess Jesus is Lord, Romans 10.9, then he comes into our life and we're, we're born again, the Bible says. But then he, he, he said this other thing. Okay, yes, I've said yes to Jesus, and now something's happening in my life. Something's happening inside of me where I actually care about people. And of course we can still care about people if we don't know Jesus, but there's a whole other weight on it because it's supernatural. There's an increase because he created the world and he is love. So when, when we step into love and understand that he's filled our hearts with love, and we believe in him, we, we get to this point where we're like, I cannot stop this. And that's the consistency. If you don't be consistent, you will get to a point where I've got to actually grind this thing and it's obligation. That's why we spend time with God. Because we're, we're pouring our affection. He's pouring his affection on us. It's this love connection. So we're stirring that, that initial feeling. Does that make sense, church? Because before, before Jesus, we still had an ability to love. I'm not going to get weird and say we couldn't love. But his supernatural love and everything he is comes on our capacity before and increases it. And I was thinking it's like Jude. We took Jude... He's a great child. He's sleeping a lot, seven to eight hours every night. Not every night. It's five out of seven nights, which is amazing. We thank the Lord Jesus of Nazareth for that. <laughs> but we found that when we put him down, he was, and babies are clingy. We don't, you don't really teach a baby like really strong lessons in the first month of being born. <laughs> maybe even two months, maybe even three months. It's a gradual thing of patterns and stuff. Because um, it's comfort. It's about comfort. It's about nurturing. It's about loving. It's about, hey, it's okay. You, you were in there, now you're out here, and it's all new and different. But we found when he, he just wasn't, he was crying a bit. And babies cry, I get it. But they can't talk. Anyway, we took him to a um, baby pediatric chiropractor. Osteopath. <laughs> That's better, yeah. It's like, dude, nah. Um, but we took him there, and she's really good, good quality, oh, whatever, I don't know what that means, but really recommended, expensive, because um, you want to pay a bit more because it's your son. Um, and, and our friends are well off, and they do things well. So we're like, we'd like yours. So we, we went over there. Anyway, so she was massaging him for about, I don't know, half an hour or so. 
And what she was doing, she was realigning him. And that's quite common. can happen with births. They can get a bit out and, and they cry and they don't know. They can't talk, but there's something wrong. They're okay. Like he was fine. He was happy. But certain times we put him down, he just wouldn't want, he wanted to be in a certain position. And we're like, I don't know. So we took him there, got massage, and hasn't really been like that since. So a massive shift in his little life this week, which has been amazing. And as I was like, like, like playing with him, I thought, this is very similar. When we understand that God's filled our hearts with love, when we step into love, when we say yes to Jesus but realize he's filled our hearts with love, it's like we've been realigned. Like we didn't really know. Like Jude, he couldn't tell me that I need all my joints massaged. Because they showed, like his forehead was out a little bit further than this side. His eye was a little bit, and it's not like a bung, but it was like just a little bit, like tiny little things. His, this was a bit bigger, or one side, and they've just tweaked it. He used to just go that side. Now he's doing that side. It's awesome. But he needed to be realigned, and he didn't really know about it. He didn't understand. And I feel like that's similar to what I'm sharing today is, like before Jesus, we, we needed to be realigned so we could love well and live well. Does that make sense? So this whole idea of why we do it, it's because we've encountered love and now Jesus compels us. And the way he said it, it's not Jesus barking orders at us. It's out of encounter. And the context is, I've got no other option. I can't help it. One Corinthians fourteen one says, part A, let love be your highest goal. So good. This is actually one of our core beliefs, that love is our highest goal. Philippians 1.9, guys. This is Paul praying in a jail cell after being persecuted and beaten because of this love. Because he couldn't help but speak about it. And the religious leaders of the day weren't happy because it looked different to what they were expecting. And when we don't like change, we shun and separate and disconnect and they put him in jail. And this is Paul writing to the church. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Just have a read of that again. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So this love isn't just a little, I love ice cream, or I love these chairs, or I love that paint, or I love your hair. It's bigger than that. There's, that. there's words in the Greek, and it was awesome. At, at Hillsong, there was a couple of messages on love, which was amazing. I'm like, that's our core belief, guys. But um, Donna Crouch spoke about, um, reminded me about yeah, some of the Greek words, phileo love, like a friendship love, and then we know the word agape. And it's an active love. It's active. The Greek word is active. It's an active love toward um, God towards his son, Jesus, it's active towards him. Then it's active from God towards us, active. 
and then it's designed that we experience that active love at us. It's active at us. Then we turn around. Remember John 1 John 4? We love because he first loved us. So then it's active towards us. And then we go back, you know what? It's active towards you. And not only that, it's active towards you guys. And Paul's saying that this love, this this active love, this self-sacrificing active love, that's agape. Self-sacrificing. I prefer others in my pursuit of being active with my love. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth. Just back one, mate. Appreciate you. Abound more and more in knowledge. That's experience. The word genisco. Experience. Intimate. It's the same word they used for sexual relations back in the day. So it's like, but they use that word obviously to explain that it's more than knowledge. It's experience. So this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in experience and depth of insight, in understanding. Because experience partnered with understanding is the key to everything. So good. You okay? You great? I just wrote here, like think of Olympians, they have a goal. They have a goal. Paul said our goal is love. So they've got a goal. I'm a shot putter. I shot put at the Olympics and I have a goal to win, so I train. But along the way, it's very common that they keep breaking their personal best, yeah? So the goal is to win at the Olympics, but on the journey, they're still increasing. It's not they have a goal and then at at the Olympics, they only increase. It's actually on that journey. You'll hear it on the news, oh, they broke their PB, they broke their PB, they broke their PB, and it's two years from the Olympics, so we've got personal best in 2000 and then we've got a whole nother level that have been broken 10 times in 2004. And it's a similar, we've got a goal and that's love. And now he's saying, okay, you've got your goal and now it's, I want you to grow in it. I want it to abound more and more in depth of insight. We've got a goal. Let love be our highest goal. Let it be active towards people. Let us do the mayor stuff, the principal stuff, the kids stuff, the grocery stuff, the, the, the hey, a, a nice note to your friends. Let's do that. It's active. It takes effort. That's why it's self-sacrificing. And the next, the next slide. That Greek word for abound. It's awesome. To have in abundance. So Paul's saying, I want your love to be in abundance. I want it to overflow. This is awesome. To have an excessive amount of love. So love isn't a one-time deal. Romans 5 said he's filled your hearts. But it's to, to continually grow more and more in experience and depth of insight. And how good's this last one? Ranging, this is, this is the Greek translation. Ranging from moderate degrees of excess to very great degree of excess. So I want want to have a very great degree of excess when it comes to love. So good. You okay? You challenged? Jesus. Okay, so in the remaining four, ten minutes, I want to share a story that will tie everything up. But I'm going to pray right now and 
Yeah, I just feel like there's upgrade upgrades available just now. His spirit just wants to do do things in us if we would be open. So God, I I pray that an awareness to our current life and mindset when it comes to loving people and all the outward manifestations of love, the outward expressions of love, that we would just begin to to take stock of that and then also take stock of what we want it to look like in some areas. There's going to be great areas that we're ticking boxes, eight, nine and out of ten, we're doing really well in. But there's other areas that may be three or fours and others zero. And I thank you, God, that you'll bring them into remembrance now, just the areas of our life that we want to we want to continually move forward in and then other areas that we want to grow in when it comes to active love. So I thank you that Christianity is more than an hour and a half on a Sunday, God. That you're mobilizing us to bless and love people. So just in this last nine minutes, God, that you would do something in us that only you could do. Amen? All right, I need prayer because I need to wrap this up in 10 minutes. Jesus. Okay, so let's, let's rewind the clock back to the time of David and Saul. I'm not going into massive history, but just to set it up a little bit, we've got Saul... Saul was appointed king, voted in, whether it was a good idea or not, whatever, that happened. And he did some stuff okay and then not so great. And then one day Samuel came, you remember the story, to anoint David as king. We didn't really know it was David at the time because Jesse, David's father, lined up the sons. And Samuel came in and went through the line. They're all strong, strapping lads like I'm going to be. And he's like, nah, 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 nah. It's that feeling, that peace, that trust, that inkling of the Lord when it's a no or yes. Samuel's a prophet. He operated in that. So he went through. No, is there another one? Prophetic, God speaks. Is there another one? He was operating in his gift. So good. And he goes, is there another one? He's like, yeah, my little boy, the runt, out in the field, worshipping, playing the harp, protecting the sheep. Long story, comes in, anoints, you will be king, da-da-da-da-da. Then a long story of, of Saul king and David the chosen one and people are liking David more and Saul's got an ego problem and pride was his issue, which manifested in disobedience. And we've got Saul there and we've got David here and we've got the house of Saul as it is spoken in the Old Testament and the house of David, meaning their influence, kingdom, servants, all the guys that align themselves to either the house of Saul or the house of David. And we've got this battle, conflict, so much that Saul, Saul's ego was that much that he, he went after David to kill him. Bible talks about David running to a cave to hide even though he had been anointed, even though there was promises, even though there was, this is who you are, we still run and hide. The remarkable thing about this whole story is that Saul's son, Jonathan, who was the nemesis house, house of Saul, to house of David, Jonathan, Saul's son, 
there was something that happened. Jesus. There was something that happened between Jonathan and David. Long story, they developed a friendship that moves into just friendship, into a covenant relationship. The Bible says that their souls were knit together. So it was greater than friendship. It doesn't make sense. We've got the house of Saul who's trying to kill David and David's like, oh, I didn't make this up. Like, you didn't make your prophetic words up. You didn't make your promises up. He did and gave them to you. And you're like, ah, what do you mean I'm going to speak in prisons in 10 years? I can't do this. And David's thinking the same thing. He's like, I've been anointed and he's trying to kill me and I don't even want to do it. And we've got this incredible connection. And in 1 Samuel 20. 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 23, we see Jonathan go and seek out David and strengthen him. That's the manifestation of this whole connection. Is he's like, hey, you will be king. Don't freak out. This is who you are. One day it's going to happen and I'm going to be with you forever. And he said, and he strengthened David in the Lord. So it's like he grabbed his face and he pushed it into God. Then seven chapters later, in chapter 30, the Bible says that David was freaked out again because the house of Saul and everyone's trying to kill him. They took their wives and kids and plundered and raped and murdered and this full-on thing. Not everyone, but some. This full-on thing. And then it says that, and David was tearing his clothes and he strengthened himself in the Lord. So he had the ability to do what he couldn't do before because Jonathan pursued him, strengthened him, positioned David to now do it on his own. Does that make sense? So they've got this covenant relationship. Now what is normal in that day is when there's the house of Saul and the house of David, what happens when, when David takes the reins, it's normal to slaughter everyone on the other side. It's just normal. We're nemesises. So we're going to kill. We're going we're to kill everyone. We're going to wipe you off the face of the earth so we can establish our kingdom, the house of David, which we know the lineage of Jesus comes through David. Really good to know. You knew that. I know you knew that. So we've got this whole deal. You, can, you got the picture, yeah? But the amazing thing between um, Jonathan and David was they made a covenant to each other. They made a promise to each other that they would have each other's back, their souls were knit together, and they would forever protect and love. So although David didn't slaughter Saul's family and, and Jonathan himself, because Jonathan, Saul died, Jonathan died, it was all happening, it still happened. And check this out. Second Samuel, I will cry. Second Samuel 9.1. So we'll fast forward right to the end. Um, I know I've jumped a bit. So Second Samuel, oh no, I don't have it. It's fine. God stirred me yesterday. And we didn't have time to put it up. Okay, awesome. I don't have to worry about that. Good job. You can sit down. <laughs> no, just kidding. I love you. Um, okay, so 2 Samuel 9, 1. Yeah, this was yesterday. This is awesome. Okay, so then David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? <laughs> For Jonathan's sake. There's a bit of back and forward with the servants. And then verse 3, B to 4. Zebar answered back. And he said, There is still a son of Jonathan 
who is crippled in both feet. So the king, David, said, where is he? (laughs) I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. It's hard to pronounce. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was his name. Mephibosheth. The name means a shameful thing. Meshibbeth. He was Jonathan's son. Everyone else has been killed. At the age of five, during the conflict of David and Saul, it was common that nurses and carers would take care of the kings and those associated to them's children. And in the conflict and in the fear, the nurse dropped Mephibosheth. And at the age of five, which is, it could be more tragic because he knew what it was to walk, and he was crippled from that day on. And the Bible says that he lived in a place called Lodabar, which means dry places. So we've got a shameful thing living in dry places, Mephibosheth. So David found this out and he called for this guy, the last lineage of the house of Saul, to come in to the house of David. And you can imagine what Mephibosheth was thinking because everyone that brought him up would have said, you've lost your dad, you've lost your grandpa because of David. It's all David's fault. We're against David. So they brought him, and the Bible says that he lay down prostrate. Is that the right word? Before David. And this is what David said. And he said to him, Here is your servant. And servant back then wasn't good, servant was your dog crippled all his life all he knew a shameful thing from a dry place now is before the king from opposite sides and david <laughs> david said to him do not fear for i will show you kindness for the sake of your father jonathan and will restore to you all the land that your grandfather saul And you shall eat regularly at my table. And then he said, no, 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 I'm just a dead dog. And then David said it again. Then David said it again. He goes, no, I'm going to restore to you. I'm going to restore to you everything that's been taken. I'm going to restore it back to you. And I'm like, far out. This is intense. This is active love. This is self-sacrificing love. This is a love that is, is beyond measure. It's exceeding the norm. It is abundance. It is large. It is great. It is massive. And the, the crazy, amazing thing about this is I read Psalm 103 before today. And David was king, so crowns are real. And in the New Living Translation, David says, 
As for me, your crown is loving kindness. Your crown for me is loving kindness. I don't care about my position. Your crown for me is loving kindness. And he said, you will eat at my table regularly. Who wrote Psalm 23? I prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. His crown was loving kindness. David's ability to love Mephibosheth in an active, self-sacrificing way that came out of being compelled came from worship and loving God when no one was looking. When he was penning, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Yeah, loving kindness endures forever. I may be king one day, but your crown for me is loving kindness. And he's writing, and you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. I've experienced that. When Saul was kicking doors down and trying to kill me, I was experiencing that. In the presence of my enemies, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Because your love's with me, it's in me. You've filled my heart with love. So now I have the capacity to love really, really well in an active, self-sacrificing way where people every single day are impacted by our life. Because we can't help it. Let's stand to our feet.